we do that with the rest of the service. We lay all of this at your feet, Father, especially now as we come to this time where we want to hear you speak. We come to your word, and we want to hear what you have to say to us in this moment right now. Lord, we want to hear your sweet voice, and so we pray that you would speak clearly and powerfully through your word. That you would remove anything that may distract us from hearing what you have to say. Our own anxieties, our own fears, our own thoughts of what we need to accomplish. And that you would remove all of those things and, and just tune us in, Lord, to hear you rightly this morning. So, Father, we pray that you would open our ears to hear, our eyes to see, and our hearts to receive what you have to say to us this morning. And all God's people said, Amen. We're still working our way through the book of First Peter. This morning we're going to be looking at verses three through uh, chapter one, verses three through twelve. So I encourage you, as you get ready for these worship services each week, and it looks like we'll be doing these for at least another four weeks. Encourage you to show up with your Bibles ready and open in your lap so that you can follow along to make sure that. What's being said is coming directly from God's Word. So 1 Peter 3, chapter 1, verses 3 through 12. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish spoil or fade, kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now, for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen Him, you love Him. And even though you do not see Him now, you believe in Him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently and with the greatest care, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you, when they spoke of the things that have now been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Even angels long to look into these things. Amen. Well, we live in a world of longing. A world that's longing for salvation. And even in the midst of this pandemic, every single one of us finds ourselves in some particular struggle right now. 
Every person has their own unique difficulty right now. And, and along with that difficulty comes this longing for salvation. We want something to remove the pain and the suffering from us. And so as we look around our country right now, we see lots of people looking for salvation in a lot of different places. Some people are looking for salvation from our government. Hoping that the government's going to bring about salvation through policies and programs and stimulus checks. Many, many people are putting their hope in that false Messiah. Others are placing their hope for salvation in science. And they're basing all of their decisions and all of their hope on the data of the day. And they're watching the data and making all of their decisions based on the data. Others are looking for salvation in the medical field. Looking for salvation from doctors and nurses and medicines and vaccines and medical equipment. And others are just fed up with all of it. They're fed up with the government. They're fed up with the science. They're fed up with the medical field. They're fed up with all of being stuck in their house. And so where are they looking for salvation? They're looking at themselves. Not to step on too many toes, but that's what all the protests are about, right? Sick and tired of government overreach. Sick and tired of the economy crashing. Can't handle all of this, and so we are going to pull ourselves up from our bootstraps, and we are going to save ourselves. We're going to get angry enough. We're going to get as, as... Firm as we can in this, we're going to get as many people together as we can, and through this we will bring about salvation for a lot of people. The Old Testament is a long story about people longing for salvation. That's what Peter says in verses 10 and 11. He says, concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you, they searched intently and with the greatest care, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing. You see, God's people for thousands of years were longing for salvation. They, they had this little glimpse of the Gospel. They could see it kind of on the horizon, kind of foggy, but they wanted a clear picture. They wanted to be able to see that salvation. They wanted to be able to hear the fullness of God's salvation. So they searched for it carefully and intently and diligently. And as they searched for that, the Holy Spirit came in and empowered some of them, empowered prophets to make predictions about this salvation that was to come. So in verse 11, Peter says, they were trying to find out the time and the circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when He predicted the sufferings of the Messiah and the glories that would follow. So as the prophets were seeking to see and hear God's salvation more fully, they were filled with the Holy Spirit to make these predictions about what was going to come. Predictions that the Messiah was going to suffer. The Messiah was going to suffer. Predictions that that at the end of His suffering would come glory. That actually, through His suffering, glory would come. That something great would happen 
as a result from the suffering of the Messiah, that salvation was going to come. But their predictions were only a glimpse. Their predictions were like looking at a mirage off on the horizon, kind of foggy. They couldn't see it. Their, their prediction was like, was like looking through a teeny little keyhole, trying to see God's salvation out in the distance, getting a glimpse here and a glimpse there, enough to get them excited that God was doing something big, excited that God was going to bring about salvation, but they couldn't see the whole picture. And so in verse 12, Peter says, It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you. When they spoke of the things that have now been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, even angels long to look into these things. See, these prophets who were searching and longing to see fully the salvation of God, they realized they were not doing it for themselves. And they were not doing it for some future group of Israel in the, in the future. They were doing it for us. The predictions and the prophecies about the Messiah and His suffering and His glory were for us. Those of us who have heard the Gospel who can see the gospel and hear it and believe in it and be saved through it. They were serving us. And now we can. We can fully see right now, here and now, we can fully see and hear the gospel of salvation through Jesus Christ today. We no longer have to search and long for this salvation. We don't have to peek through a keyhole for it. We don't have to look at it as if it's a mirage out on the horizon We can actually see and hear the salvation of Jesus Christ right now. That Jesus Christ came to save sinners. That Jesus Christ lived and died and rose again and was ascended into heaven so that anyone who looks to Him and puts their faith in Him and trusts in Him will be forgiven of their sins, will have the righteousness of Christ given to them, and they will have eternal life. We can see that and hear it clearly right now. And so Peter opens up in verse 3. He says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth. We, we praise God. We, we give Him glory for His salvation. And we say, in His mercy, He has given us new birth. A new life. We've been born again like new people because of Jesus Christ. And that's actually why we can now see and hear the gospel fully. We can see and hear God's salvation fully. You remember that conversation that Jesus had with Nicodemus? One night, Nicodemus snuck over to Jesus' house, wanted to have a conversation with him. And in the middle of that conversation, Jesus says to Nicodemus, Truly, truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. No one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. It's not only that they can't believe in the kingdom of God unless they're born again. You can't even see the kingdom of God unless you're born again. You continue to walk around in blindness, unable to see the salvation of God. But when God comes in and works 
and works powerfully to take out our heart of stone and give us a heart of flesh. And He works in us to make us new people so that we're born again. Then our eyes are opened and our ears are opened to see and hear the salvation that He offers. And what we see and what we hear is that we have a living hope in this world. In verse 3, He says, In His great mercy... He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. See, when God works in our lives and and He gives us a new heart and He opens our eyes to see and He opens our ears to hear, what we see is this salvation that He's brought us. And that salvation leads to a living hope. Not just some wishful thinking, not just some positive optimism, Not a dead hope, but a living hope that comes through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. See, we have a living hope because we serve a living Savior. We have a living hope because our Savior has risen from the dead and has conquered sin and death and Satan. And any enemy that we have in our life has been conquered and put to death. And we now have been raised from death into life. And so we have A living hope that can never be taken away or never be destroyed. And that hope rests on our salvation. That living hope rests on our salvation, which which is also described as an inheritance. So in verses 4 and 5, Peter says, We've been born into a living hope, into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. This salvation that God offers us, this inheritance that He's holding on to us, that we get to taste right now a little bit, it will never perish, spoil, or fade. It will never pass away. It will never die. It will never be corrupted. And nobody can take it from us because it's being guarded in heaven. Right, so when this passage says it's kept in heaven for us, the picture is like a military camp with our treasure sitting in and then it being guarded on all sides by the power of God. And He's surrounding our inheritance, preventing it from being stolen or taken or removed from us, and nothing will be able to take it away from God. I mean, we're talking about the God who breathed everything into existence by the breath of His mouth, is protecting our inheritance Who's going to overcome him? Who's going to take it away from him? That's important because, especially in times like this, because like I mentioned at the beginning, so many people are looking for salvation. And they're looking for salvation in government, in science, in technology, in medicine, or even deep down in themselves. And guess what? Every one of them is going to fail. None of them will save you. All of these things perish. All of these things fade away. All of these things will be corrupted. We know that. We know that governments are easily corrupted and fall into disarray. We know that science changes with the wind. Whatever day or week it is, it changes. We know technology fails us. We know medicine's not going to fix all of our 
problems. And if we're really, really honest with ourselves, we know that we can't save ourselves either. We're not strong enough. We're not smart enough. Our bodies are going to fail and our minds are going to fail. All of these things perish, spoil, and fade. And if we look to these for our hope, and these things for our salvation, we're putting our hope and our inheritance in things that will fade away, things that will be corrupted and that are going to die. And what kind of hope is that, really? It's a dead hope. It's a lifeless hope that will never, ever pull us through a difficult time like this or any difficult time in the future. But when God opens our eyes to see the salvation that He brings, to see the inheritance that He has for us in heaven, this inheritance that's guarded in heaven for us, an inheritance that will never fade, will never be corrupted, and will never die, then we can have hope because it will never be taken away from us. No one can take away our salvation. No one can take away our hope. Nothing can separate us from the love of God that is ours in Christ Jesus. Nothing. That's our living hope. And yet I know that in the midst of difficulty like this, some people say that's all great, but I don't even feel strong enough to hold on to that hope. I'm, I, I just feel stuck and, and trapped in the midst of this. I can't, I can't even lift my eyes up above all of the problems of this world into my my salvation that's in heaven, or I feel so surrounded by enemies and trials that all I can see are my enemies and trials, not the hope that Christ has for me in heaven. And so Peter reminds us that we, in verse 5, that we, through faith, are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in that last time. You see, the imagery gets even better Not only is the image of our inheritance sitting in this military camp, guarded on all sides by the power of God, but the imagery says that you too, that we as God's people, are surrounded by the power of God and He's guarding us and shielding us in this time and that we are in, we are behind enemy lines. We're in enemy territory being attacked on all sides by armies, and yet we've got this platoon of Navy SEALs or Marines coming with us, the power of God surrounding us, bringing us through enemy lines to our inheritance. He's guarding us. We don't have to be strong enough. He is strong enough to bring us through to the end. He will bring us through from behind enemy lines into our inheritance that's there for us in heaven. We will fully experience God's salvation. As I thought about that this week, I thought about this story from the Old Testament. A story about the prophet Elisha. Prophets had a way of ticking off the king by saying things that the kings didn't like. Elijah did that. He said something to the king. The king got angry and sent part of his army after Elijah to go kill him, capture him. And so there's this scene where there's Elijah and his servant in this little house and the king's army is bearing down on them, surrounding them. And as the army gets closer and surrounds them more fully, the servant begins to get fearful and afraid. His anxiety pulls up as he sees all these enemies 
surrounding him. He doesn't know how they're going to get out of this or if there's going to be any way of escape. But then Elijah looks at his servant and says, don't be afraid. Because don't, don't be afraid of this huge army that's coming that you can see out here because those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And then Elijah prayed to God and he said, Open his eyes, Lord. Open his eyes that he may see. And then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and he saw the hills full of chariots, of horses, of fire all around them. And the Lord's protecting us that way too. God is protecting us like that. We don't always get to see it, but He's saying, see it through the eyes of faith that I am shielding you and protecting you with the angel armies pulling you through this world into the future world, into your full salvation in heaven. Right now. Peter says that's why we can rejoice. We can rejoice even in the midst of trials. In verse 6, he says, In all of this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. I know we don't always like this verse. Um, I don't ever walk up to somebody who's in the midst of suffering and say, You should be rejoicing because, you know, the Bible says to rejoice in your suffering. But I have had people who have fallen into anger and bitterness in the midst of their suffering look at me and say, I suppose you think I should be rejoicing in this. As if I'm the one telling them to rejoice in their trials and not the God who saved them. But it's not this command of burden on us. It's actually this freedom that in Christ We can, we have the ability, we have the opportunity to rejoice in the midst of trials. Because suffering and difficulty have a way of dropping our eyes down out of heaven and onto all the problems of the world. It makes our our eyesight get fuzzy, like cotton being stuffed in our ears so we don't hear very well. And we we get in the midst of trouble and our eyes easily focus on just all of the troubles. Our eyes easily focus on all of the enemies around us, on the army bearing down on us. And yet Peter says we need to lift our eyes up. We need to lift our eyes up beyond the troubles and the trials of this world to our inheritance that's in heaven. To to the God who has given us this inheritance, who's guarding that inheritance, who's guarding us and bringing us through to that inheritance. We need to lift our eyes up in the midst of this and see the salvation that He has brought us. See the protection that He's giving us right now. And when we see that, we have hope in the midst of trial and difficulty. We have this living hope in the midst of it. And we can begin to rejoice because even in the midst of this trial, we know that God is still good. So Peter says, lift your eyes up and see and hear the salvation that God has brought you, then you'll have a living hope. Then you will be able to rejoice in the midst of these trials. But not only do trials have a way of blurring our vision, 
But they also have this unique way, it's almost like a paradox, of, of clarifying our vision, making it a little bit clearer. In verse 7, Peter says, These trials have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, your faith which is of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Scripture repeatedly tells us, not only here, but in many places, that suffering and difficulty and trials are a refining fire. They will not consume us. They will not destroy us, but they'll come in and they'll burn some things up in our lives, some impurities in our lives. Things, it, it comes in and it takes the fogginess from our vision away. It, it helps us to hear God's promises a little clearer. And as we see God's salvation more, and as we hear God's promises more fully, we begin to praise and glorify Him and honor Him in the midst of our trial because we know that He is here protecting us and that He has saved us and will bring us through to the end. Because the temptation is when everything goes well, when everything just seems to be clicking for us, we seem to think that we're in control. We seem to think that we've got it all under control. We rely on ourselves. We rely more fully on the things of this world. And then our vision begins to get foggy and our ears begin to get plugged. And then difficulty comes and trial comes. And all of these things that we put our hope and trust in for salvation, they're all burned up and they disappear. And then we realize we were never in control in the first place. We didn't have things together. And that all of these things that we put our hope and trust in in the world are gone. They've been burned up. So where do we turn? We have to look beyond ourselves to the God who is always there. We have to rest more fully on God's salvation. And as we more fully rest in God's salvation, then our faith is firmed up and it's strengthened and it's purified. And and as our faith is strengthened and purified, then our vision is clearer. And then we hear, we can start to see more fully the salvation that God has brought. And we can hear more fully God's promises. And we begin to see that God is protecting us with angel armies right now, bringing us through to the end. And we see our inheritance in heaven. And so we rejoice in trials. And then we have hope in trials that God will bring us through to the end. Which is why Peter wraps up in verse 8. Though you have not seen Him, you love Him. And even though you do not see Him now, you believe in Him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. We do not physically see our God right now. We don't even always, we don't physically see our our inheritance right now, but, but we see them through the eyes of faith. We hear them through the preaching of God's Word. We can, we can see the salvation that God has offered us, the new life that He's given us. We can, we can begin to see the protection that God brings us through angel armies in the midst of these difficulties. We can see the inheritance that He has in store for us in heaven. We can see them through eyes of faith. And then Peter says, our hearts are stirred and filled inexpressible and glorious joy. Inexpressible 
and glorious joy, even in the midst of trials. So let's take a moment to ask God to open our eyes and ears. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, these are not easy times for any of us. These are more difficult for some than others, but all are struggling in the midst of these stay-at-home orders, in the midst of these unusual circumstances. And Father, we're so easily, our eyes are so easily dropped down to only see the troubles of this world, to only see the trials that are facing us. We're, we're so easily tempted to put our hope and trust in all these things that will pass away and fade away. So Father, we pray, open our eyes to see and our ears to hear. Father, open our eyes to see the salvation that you've brought us. Open our eyes to see the inheritance you have for us in heaven. Open our eyes to see that you're guarding that inheritance. Help open our eyes to see that you are protecting us right here and now and pulling us through this difficult time and through the rest of our lives, pulling us through to the end so that we will one day rest in heaven with you forever. Help us to hear the gospel. Help us to hear the prom- your promises through your word. Help us not to take them for granted. And then, Father, fill our hearts with joy in the midst of this difficulty. Fill our hearts with hope. And in the midst of this trial, that, that we know that you will bring us through to the end, that we will not fall into despair, but we will live in hope. And that our hearts will overflow with a joy that we can't even explain. A joy that brings glory and honor to you. And all God's people said, Amen.